Welcome everybody to the Always Hope Podcast. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa and truly grateful to have you joining me for another amazing episode. Well, if you listen to the show, you know I've dedicated the Always Hope Podcast to help you, the listener, grow in your spiritual and emotional health. And that means that sometimes my shows have been focused on theological issues and sometimes spiritual issues, sometimes cultural issues, and sometimes psychological ones. And while most of my shows have had a specific theme or topic focused on these various areas of personal growth, today, you know what? I'm gonna try something a little bit different. For a while, I've wanted to not just do shows on themes, but about people. I've wanted to interview folks that I wanna call quote unquote, persons of hope. People who are simply living life well and quietly doing God's work. You know, the everyday saints who rarely get their due. So joining me on the show today is one of those persons of hope, Father Jim Schmidtmeyer, priest of the Diocese of Amarillo, Texas, and pastor of St. John the Evangelist Church in the rural town of Borger, Texas. In today's episode, you'll hear the tender heart of a shepherd who knows his sheep. Father Jim shares stories of the varied folks that live within his parish boundaries, oil field workers, drug addicts, farmers, bricklayers, and immigrants. And he shares how they all have shown him something beautiful about Christ's church and the life of the Christian in the struggles of the world. So we also talk about how he preaches homilies to a diverse congregation, working in drug courts, and the spiritual lessons he's learned from breaking horses. Another great show is about to get started. And when it is done, please check me out on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sagasa. Let's get into this interview with Father Jim Schmidtmeyer. Father Jim Schmidtmeyer, welcome to the Always Hope podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and it's a real honor to be here with you, Dr. Mario. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, thanks so much. This is courtesy of our good friend, good mutual friend, Dr. Tom Neal, who is a, a regular of the show. Uh, so truly grateful for for having this opportunity to talk. So he's tell us a, a little bit guy. about yourself. Yeah, he, oh, he's he's phenomenal. Great guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Amarillo, Texas, and um, uh, I teach a lot of classes in homiletics. Uh, what I'm very proud of in terms of an uh, avocation is uh, I've broken a lot of horses, over 120. Uh, now that I'm... Uh, 67, I've uh, I put that aside for some, some other activities with horses, which we'll, we'll get into on the program. Um, I'm pastor of a town called Borger. It's, a, it's, a, it's an oil town. Uh, we're surrounded by five refineries. Uh, my parish is half Anglo, half Hispanic. Uh, vast majority of them working in the refineries are in the oil fields. Uh, and it's been, um, it's been a as every person has been, uh, just a, a tremendous experience getting to be a part of this community. I've been here about a little over two and a half years now. Wow. So you're not from Amarillo, or are you? No, uh, I grew up uh, on a farm in, in, uh, in Ohio, and wow. uh, I, I served there as a priest for 28 years. And then uh, it was with my farm background, I always had a lot of interest in um in rural life, and through the Catholic Rural Life Conference, I got to meet some people from Texas. This is back in the late 1990s. And I started coming out here to visit them on vacation and uh, discovered that they use their horses to work their cattle. Back in Ohio, nobody uses horses to work. And so uh, the Texas Panhandle became a favorite vacation spot 
of mine for a number of years. And then I, I learned how, how much um, uh, this diocese was needed priest. We are a mission diocese. And at that time, I, um, after a lot of prayer, uh, I, I discerned a call within the call and <laughs> asked uh, my bishop if I could transfer to this diocese. So I've been in this diocese uh, about 12 years now. Wow. And it's been, um, I miss, miss my family a lot. I have a, a wonderful family back home. Um, most of them are uh, family dairy farmers. Um, and uh, I did grow up with horses, but uh, when I became a rural pastor, I started hanging out with these families that had horses. <clears throat> uh, and uh, it's been a good way to keep one foot inside the barn. You know, uh, there's that old saying, you can take the boy off the farm, but not the farm out of the boy. Well, that really applies to me. And, uh, <laughs> lots, of, lots of great things that you're doing there. Now, let me ask you this, Father Jim, you know, this transition we speak about coming from Ohio to Texas, it seemed like you grew up on a farm and, and always had a connection with this, but receiving this kind of call within a call, there's, you're quoting Mother Teresa right there and, and, her, and her, her discernment as well. Um, it, it, and even doing homiletics, I mean, there's so many different things that, I've, that you're speaking about. I mean, how, well, let me ask you this then. So how do you see the difference then between living in Ohio versus living in Amarillo? But then if you're speaking about homiletics and preaching the gospel, that there's, there's a need, in my understanding, is to make sure that the gospel is always tailored to the particular culture that we find ourselves in. I mean, that's what makes oh, it absolutely. effective, is that when we're speaking about relationship with Christ and the individual relationship that we have with the Lord, it's not just, I mean, just the objective truth of the gospel for sure, but then how it applies to the particular circumstances that we find ourselves in is what makes us an effective communicator of said gospel. How do you find the, the balance between that or what are the new things you're doing in Amarillo or how are you, when you're talking about oil refineries and half Hispanic, half white, um, you know, addictions, uh, I mean, all sorts of just group of people that are there. How do you do it? Oh, gosh, it's uh, well, with a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, amen. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and, and of course, a lot of help from the Holy Spirit. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I join in some vocation talks with uh, our vocation recruiter and and, and I often find myself saying, and, 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 and I believe this wholeheartedly, I, I don't understand why everybody doesn't want to become a priest. It is the most exciting, fulfilling life that I can imagine. Certainly it's been my calling. Mm -hmm. But, you know, wherever you are, you know, to, uh, uh, to move into that community and to, uh, uh, you know, I've always seen myself a little bit like an investigative reporter, you know. Um, uh, one of the best things I ever did in my career was start a, uh, uh, when I went from a rural parish to a, to a city parish, um, I, it was difficult for me to, to preach at first because I couldn't figure out what everybody did for a living. So I, I started this program called Take Your Pastor to Work. And so once a week, I'd join up with uh, one of my parishioners and tag along for a couple of hours or join join them uh, at their lunchroom at work. And, and I found that people were so um, you know, so honored uh, when when I took interest in what they did day after day. And 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 you know, to be able to talk about how the work of our hands, uh, how, how all of that contributes to the building up of, of, of our communities and, and how we present that at the altar every Sunday to, to be transformed into our offering of, of love and praise to, to the creator and, and to be sanctified by joining in his work. So, so for me, I've always been drawn and, and I, I, I credit a lot to my to my father and, and my farm background, you know, to uh, um, my dad always said to be close to the earth 
is to be close to God and 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 uh, you know to 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 be able to share and to know and value what people do day by day uh, to feed their families to to heat their homes to uh, uh, to contribute to the community you know actually in, in my opinion that's what made Jesus preaching so appealing you know he he spoke all the time about the marketplace, the farmers, the fishermen, the, the women baking bread, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, to, 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 to have access to, to, to that place in the community and then be the one to, uh, uh, to have the privilege of putting that into words and uh, help people see meaning and value in, in, in what they do and, and, and how they, they live their lives. I, I, I just, it's, it's just been, for me, it's been a tremendous, tremendous experience. How do you teach your students about that? I mean, how do you, how do you communicate that to them and saying, okay, like if you're going to preach a, a homily, you know, what part of what makes it effective is, is having to, as you said, be involved in people's lives. And um, you got to know how to, how to relate. You got to know what the stories are. I mean, this is, I think what Francis, when he speaks about Francis, when he speaks about smelling like the sheep, Oh, I mean, man. This, yeah. this is exactly what it is, you know, like I remember when I was in youth ministry, the two years I did youth ministry, I feel like every, every young adult Catholic has to kind of punch their youth ministry card, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's part of your ticket to heaven. It's like, okay, did youth ministry and now I'm done. And so I did it for two years and, and it was a blessing. But one of the things that we did was, I mean, I would go to the high school and have lunch with the students and I felt Mm-hmm. awkward. I mean, I had, obviously I got approval from the principal and from the, the administration. Sure. They knew why this 22 year old, 23 year old was actually going to high school, you know, and, and I would connect with the students, but the students loved it. I mean, I went to the games, all the, all the basic relationship ministry stuff that, that is being sp- spoken about. Um, oh yeah. It was, you know, one, one, one of the ways that I uh, encouraged my preaching students to do that is to, to imagine three circles, uh, you know, the world of the Bible, um, uh, the world of the preacher and then the world of the listener. And it's where those overlap. You have the richest possibility for connections. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so I'm always on the lookout for, uh, for those connections, you know, um, you know, this coming up Sunday, uh, it's talking about uh, the stone rejected by the builders. And a couple of years ago, um, we were adding, putting that addition onto our church. I went out to talk to the bricklayer and, and his son, it was an older man, and, and, and his son, they were laying the brick. And um, you, know, you just never know who you're talking to. Um, I found out they, they were from the Michigan state of Guanajuato. And it was, um, Guanajuato was the place where uh, there's a lot of fighting during the Cristero War. And uh, I asked if they'd seen the movie For Greater Glory, which was about the, the government's persecution of the Catholic Church. And they said, no, no, they hadn't seen the movie. But turns out that um, this man's aunt and uncle had a ranch where they hid 20 Franciscan seminarians and two priests. Uh, one day when the soldiers came, they all escaped except one priest who uh, was martyred the same way as uh, you know, uh, St. Jose uh, de los Rios in the movie with his, uh, the soles of his feet being cut off. And here, this man and his son were building the walls of this addition to our church. You know, uh, relatives of a family that put their life on the line for their faith. Um, and you know, to to make those connections, you know, uh, you know, uh, this bricklayer, um, you know, and you know, this um, this valiant 
memory in their family of 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 of, of courage and, and faith. You know, it's just uh, I, I I constantly walk around, Dr. Mario, as feeling as though I need to take off my shoes. <laughs> you know, um, we're always on holy ground. You know, if we um, if we take the time to notice. And oftentimes it just comes from a simple conversation. Yeah. What a profound uh, way of speaking about that, just in terms of saying the three concentric circles of the world of the Bible, the world of the, the preacher, and the world of the listener. And, and seeing, okay, if it's my job to be the mediator of this message, well, I'm not a priest, so I don't, I don't preach homilies in the formal sense, but in my lectures and mm-hmm. trying to, to connect with people, even in counseling, I feel that. I mean, it's so much of counseling is right out of the gates of saying, okay, how do I how do I build rapport with this individual? How can I connect with this individual? How can I establish some type of commonality which helps me helps them know that right. I'm a safe person that that, that we can talk to? Right. Um, but even just we talked about with reverence and seeing holiness, um, even in the face of a bricklayer um, and and or an addict. Um, or, or somebody who is in need of, of equine therapy or any of the other things you spoke about. Um, I mean, I mean, it sounds so basic, but, but how is it that you see God in all those things? Um, well, it, you know, it, it, it begins with prayer. Uh, I, uh, I was fortunate while I was in my seminary years to, to have a spiritual director schooled in the um, exercises of St. Ignatius, spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And, and I've always been a great daydreamer. So, so for me to enter into prayer imaginatively uh, uh, really helps, you know. Uh, for instance, uh, um, as, I, as I, I look at my work here in Borger and particularly with my involvement with the drug court, um, I find myself truly entering more deeply than many other parishes into the, the way of the cross, you know, uh, you know to, to walk with these recovering addicts um, is to, um, is to bleed with them. And, and, uh, um, and I, I don't know if all of our listeners know what a drug court is, but uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's an alternative to prison. It's uh, community-based rehabilitation that's very exacting. Um, we try to, uh, uh, to gather in the, 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 the hardest cases. And, and in place of going to prison, they, they, uh, they, they wear a sweat patch that monitors any kind of drug use they might be taking. Um, they, they appear before the judge every week they, um, to report on their, their progress uh, or sometimes their, um, their lack of progress. They, they uh, are required to attend uh, uh, group therapy, individual therapy, uh, see their parole officer, you know, uh, find a steady job, uh, attend AA and NA meetings. Uh, so it's, it's very, very demanding. Um, and it's a lot of work. A lot of rural counties don't offer it because it, uh, it, it, you, you have to require, uh, you have to depend on a lot of resources and a lot of rural counties as, such as ours uh, lacks a lot of those kind of um, therapeutic resources. Uh, so, uh, so I, I, I'm on the team simply as a volunteer. And one of my parishioners is the district judge who got it started about three years ago. And I'd never been involved with the drug court before. Um, and and what, I've, what I found in, in working with the drug court here in Hutchinson County 
Um, it's taken me into places that are far, far, far rougher and poorer than places I've I've gone before. Uh, obviously, as a pastor, you you deal with uh, 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 people from all walks of life and all all um, uh, strata of society with with all different needs and and problems and issues. Um, but working with the drug court is kind of um, uh, it's 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 given me access to a place uh, in a community within our community um, that I would not know as intimately as I as I know now, um, and that intimacy is um, an intimacy of shared suffering. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. They really, uh, it's um, you know to to be in the grip of an addiction, uh, as I see in the lives of these people, is um, and, and I'm sure you have seen in your work, Dr. Mario, the, uh, um, it's a little bit like going into the cave in the land of the Gerizines, you know, with that, with that naked man who is self-destructive. They, you know, they, uh, as the story goes in the Gospel of Luke, you know, they, they try to restrain him with shackles, but he broke out of them. And, and so it's always been very, uh, getting back to the Ignatian um, prayer, you know, it's been uh, a passage I've often reflected upon, and it's very easy to do so visually. You know, you, you see this 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 um, uh, this 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 tormented man, uh, um, uh, you know, with matted hair and, and covered with scars, and and he's afflicted by a legion of demons. Um, that's often the image that comes to my mind, or or you know, to 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 see these, um, uh, you know. They make a little progress, and they're so happy. And then, then the next week or the uh, two weeks later, you know that you know they finally got a job, and then and they got a car. And two weeks later, um, somebody steals it, you know, or um, uh, a woman who has had all of her children removed because of uh, um, because of her drug abuse. She finally gives birth to a child, drug free. She gets to keep this child, and and that was so wonderful, but. But then a couple months later, she comes to court and, and, and her scalp is bleeding and her face is full of bruises because, because um, the child's father has, has beaten her. So it's, it's very, um, very much the way of the cross. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the scourging at the pillar. It's, um, it's that man in the, living among the tombs and the caves. Um, uh, you know, they, they, it's, it's just very, very um, hard very hard yeah thank you for sharing all those stories they're very um tender uh, evocative um a, a reminder for all of us of course you know that the, the gospel is for everybody and i and i want to i guess what i'm struck with right now is just to commend you in the sense that you know the parish as we understand it the church exists because it's a geographic boundary and it's mm-hmm. to say then that it's not just the catholics in the geographic boundary that are part of this parish. It's everybody who lives within this geographic boundary right. that is involved in this parish, whether they come to Sunday mass or not. So the, the, the parish, the, the church exists and to, to meet the particular needs of the people that live within that geographic area. And, and that means going to all of them and finding the depth within the depth that you said, the, 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 the community within the community and, and, and going out and, and finding the fringe um, and not just the folks who, not just waiting for the folks who come uh, to, to mass, which of course is is beautiful and great as well, um, but but to do the work of actively bringing grace 
God into the drug court system. Um, yeah, and, then, and you know, I, I was inspired tremendously by this uh, parishioner of mine, um, um, Judge James Mosley, uh, the tremendous example of a Catholic layman. <laughs> and he's the one who, uh, who wrote me in on this, but I remember my <laughs> first conversation with him and his wife uh, when, I, when, I, when I came to St. John's. Um, uh, here's a district judge. Do you know what his favorite occupation or uh, pastime is? It's giving retreats and penitentiaries. Uh, and we have five of them in our diocese, five state penitentiaries. But yeah, uh, the, he, uh, he, he just finds that incredibly life-giving for him. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and I'm sure it's part of what makes him a, a tremendous judge. But yeah, uh, this whole work, he, he was the one who spearheaded the whole drug court thing because he, you know, he has a strong drive to, uh, to help people um, get out of their, uh, to get out of the darkness and to come into the light, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a real, it's been a real privilege and a real honor. Um, how much freedom do you have as a pastor in those situations? I mean, you're obviously a spiritual leader and, and the drug court system though is, is federal. Is there any issues there or, or, or no, is there freedom for you to come as a priest and, and to share and speak openly yeah, we, about God? Uh, we have, um, uh, I, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm a volunteer and, uh, any support they can give from the community, be it, you know, the, the, uh, the biblical wellness center down the street run by the fundamentalist uh, churches, the, uh, um, uh, the care net uh, for uh, new parents and for um, uh, uh, women who are pregnant. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we, you know, the, um, we, we draw upon any community resources we can. And as long as, uh, you know, I can't go in and, and, and preach a, uh, a sermon on St. Jerome or something, you know, uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there as a support for those who, uh, who wish to come. Uh, some of them come occasionally for pastoral counseling. And of course it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not proselytizing, but, but if they feel drawn toward wanting to explore, uh, what the higher power in the 12 step program means and what it, what it can offer them in their life, I'm, I'm available as a resource. As I, as I already alluded to, I, uh, they're, they're free to, uh, to take part in uh, equine therapy, which, uh, you know, it, it has a spiritual component, uh, but it's, it's, it's not uh, sectarian, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you're working with a, a creature as powerful as a horse, you know, you, it's, it's kind of hard not to think about powers a little bit bigger than you. <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, so, yeah. and that's one of the values that, that, uh, um, equine therapy can offer because you know um, you can't control a horse if you can't control yourself. Huh. And, and and for them to start to get a sense of, uh, gosh, I, I I can get this thousand pound animal to uh, to respond to me. Um, there is a great sense of uh, it's, it's great boost to your self confidence, and yeah. uh, you know, that's just one of the ways in which that that form of therapy can uh, can can be of help, especially to these folks who are struggling to, um, um, well, find anything to feel good about themselves for. What's one thing you've learned working in the, in the drug court system? Um, one thing that's, um, that, that comes before me all the time is, um, how difficult it is, uh, 
even for people who are not addicted, but but for them especially, to uh, to hear, uh, you know, to to use the uh, you, know, um, you know the biblical terms to 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 tune out the demons, telling them that they are scum, and, and to hear a whisper from from God who says you are loved. You are loved. It is so hard, from from my perspective as a pastor. Um, that, that's what I observe. It's, it's very very hard for for them to to get to the point where, where they can hear deep within themselves, "You are loved," because um, uh, it's just been um, uh, for most of them. They're 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 uh, in, in in among our clients. Um, and as we know, drug addiction can affect anyone in any um, any level of income. Um, but for our clients in particular, many of them, their family systems are very weak. They don't have um, large support systems. They, they've not been able to um, uh, have much um, to point to by way of, of job success. Um, and, and after years and years of that, it's, it's very hard for them to, uh, to get out of that rut mm. internally, you know? Mm. And when they do, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous thing. Yeah. Uh, I admire them tremendously, but it's, it's very hard work. It's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. That, that profound shame that you articulated there a little bit ago is, 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 is really, uh, it's really tough. It's really tough to, to believe then that you are something other than than these actions and to be reminded of that goodness absolutely is a, is a, is a key yes. component of, yeah. of healing and of growth and of moving forward. Um, cause some of these drugs, you know, like opioids, for example, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a migraine sufferer and my doctor a couple of years ago, uh, gave me a prescription for a drug and he said, and this is the way he said it. He said, um, remind yourself only to take this when you're actually in pain, just like that. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, no, no. If I'm going to have to like, when I'm already in pain, you know, if my migraine's going up and you're telling me like this thing, you basically said this thing is going to, you're, you're going to form a habit. And so you have to be very form, very firm in making sure that you're, that you are not, uh, you know, entertaining those thoughts. I was like, no, thank you. No, not, not in my, not in my moment of vulnerability. Am I going to, am I going to, am I going to, am I going to entertain in this? And I know enough of what opioids do is that they, the opioids in particular are just, the reason they're so addictive is twofold is one, the pain receptors in our body, you know, when we feel pain in our finger, there's, there's specific neurons, uh, that, that connect from our, from our, from our nerve endings all the way to our brain. And it's a series of switches that the way they works is a series of switches that go on and off, on and off. And so that's, that signal, it's a relay that signals up to the pain. What the, what the opioids do is that they, they attack those signals. Um, and so literally it shuts off the body's, uh, relay of, of, of perceiving pain. Um, in addition to then, which if that isn't enough, you know, some take a drug that doesn't make you feel pain. That that's mir miracle, right? But then this sarcastically, I say miracle. And then the second thing is that it also it it does increase that that it does have that high effect to it. So the dopamine um, is released. So in addition to shutting off all the pain in your body, you're also getting the pleasure. I mean, it's 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 no wonder that these things are so addictive. I mean, so addictive. And like you said, a lot of people. It cuts across the, the, the age range for sure. Cause there's a lot of people who get on these things 
because the doctors have prescribed them to them, thinking that good, you know, that you could take it for short term, uh, be smart when you take it type of thing. But then it's very easy to 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 create a, a habit um, or have a habituated response to 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 these medicines. We have to be very cautious um, with, with with how we use them. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Marin. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Father Jim Schmidtmeyer to encourage you to check us out at faithinmarriage.org. On faithinmarriage.org, you can find out where we are speaking in 2021, where we hope to be speaking in 2021, I should say. You can also sign up for one of our upcoming marriage retreats. We have the full schedule there ready for you to be able to look at and to see which one of those weekends is the most convenient for you and your spouse. Or you can catch up on past episodes of the Always So podcast. If you don't know how to use a podcast app and you like listening to things on the desktop or on your mobile device there on the website, check it out at faithinmarriage.org. All we're trying to do is to help you grow in your relationship with Christ and your relationship with each other. What's, you know, thinking about serving this population and I'm thinking about family members. This past week when we had a, a marriage retreat and, uh, and one of the couples that was on the retreat shared beautifully about, about their child who in this teenage year started losing his way to, to drugs. Um, what would you say to parents, you know, or to family members or caregivers of individuals who are struggling with a drug addiction? Uh, what's something that you've learned that can offer a word of encouragement that you, that you would Jesus. offer? Yes. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be for them. Um, <clears throat> when I first started this work, I read the book Beautiful Boy. Yeah, that movie. Uh, Have you seen the movie? I've not seen the movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the book was very moving, uh, yeah. describing a, a, uh, an adolescent who, who started uh, on the road to uh, drug addiction and <clears throat> uh, a very, um, very moving portrait of of the long road that it, it can take to to um, achieve a, a life of stability again, uh, sobriety. Um, I guess getting back to um, you know to 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 the scriptures and you know the um, the man in the cave uh, in the land of the Gerasenes, um, the beautiful way in which that story ends is that when the when the local people get up the nerve to see what has transpired because nobody would, as you know, travel that road for fear of, of right. this, uh, this tormented man and what he could do. Um, they, they discover Jesus and this, this man uh, having a quiet conversation. And it just happens to mention that the man is fully clothed. And, and so I often wonder, how did that happen? <laughs> and of course, the Lord can do anything, but, uh, but uh, part, of, uh, part of the episode was at some point, you know, the Lord washed the guy up and, and put some clean clothes on him. And, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just so hard and scary and frightening. And, and you know, when, when you love someone who, um, who, who is tormented by... By, by addiction, and you know they, you know it's, it's it's just over and over and over. It's it's one step forward, five steps back. Um, but I would encourage them to to pray that they might be the hem of the garment, 
you know, like like the woman who uh, was suffering such shame. She 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 couldn't approach Jesus straightforward. She she crawled on the ground. She said, "You know, I can just touch the hem of his garment," um, and she did. And and you know, there's only so much we can do. We are very limited, but but we can pray that someday, perhaps uh, some word that we said will will will, will open the door to their healing. Uh, open the door to to their eventual recovery, um, and that's that's all that I can do. Uh, I, I pray that I can be the hem of the Lord's garment, uh, and that maybe um, in, in coming in contact with me, um, with my uh, with my words or or my empathy um, or, or my encouragement, you never know when it's going to happen that uh, that the healing will start to take hold. So I, I would encourage people that. You know, um, you know, walk in faith, not in fear. Walk in trust, not despair. I heard somebody say once, you know, suffering does one of two things. It either embitters us or it ennobles us. Mm. You keep aiming for the nobility. Uh, and walking at, walking with Christ in his suffering. You know, if um, St. Peter says in his first letter, chapter 4, to the extent that we suffer with Christ, we will share his glory. And um, it's very hard, but it's it's the way of the cross, which is the way of the resurrection. Yeah. I think, you know, I, read some, I was praying with the, the Mark's gospel right now. Every morning I take 30 minutes and I, and I, and I read through scripture. And in Mark's gospel, I think it was, Chapter nine, verse 49, something to the effect of like Jesus saying that we'll be salted by fire or uh, purified by salt or something of that nature, Mm -hmm. um, that it just struck me, you know, this notion of, of something like that. It was like, you, you will be salted by fire. And I was like, what a, what a, what a curious statement that is. Um, you know, actually, actually, um, am I saying it wrong? Uh, no, that's right. A lot of people don't realize this, but you know, um, uh, the uh, um, the fuel, a lot of the fuel that they used at that time was dung. <laughs> dung uh-huh. is hard to, salt was an accelerant. It would help the fire get going. Yeah. So, so, so the salt about fire is to start to 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 burn with light. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, now, now we're not a snow covered dung, of course, right? So that's not that's not what we're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not we're not Lutheran here. Uh, so the, <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> and the other is Jesus. Uh, but but what he's saying is 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 um, is that I, it's like you said, you know, suffering in, in ennobles us or or makes us bitter. And and sometimes it does both. I mean, be oh, perfectly yes. honest, you know, like it's yeah. you can't it, pretend it's not there. You can't pretend it's not there, and you can't you can't say that it, that it ain't real. Um, but uh, but but the challenge sometimes for us is that we we you know again Christ makes it clear. He says, like, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up pick up your instrument of torture and, and follow me. And at times we, I mean, myself, I can I say for myself, I. I I wish things would have played out a little differently or I wish uh, sure. some circumstance would have happened that didn't happen. Or I wish I would have responded a little bit better to, to some situation in my life. And, 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 and at times then it becomes a situation where uh, 
you're just not living in reality and you're wishing for things to happen that, that, that aren't happening and have to choose reality as it is. And in trying to accept God's providence as it manifests in our life. And as hard as a drug addiction would be, I, I mean, by God's grace, you know, we haven't had that um, in our story. Now, there's no guarantee. You know, our kids are still young. I make no illusions, you know, that yes. they don't interact with somebody someday and come in contact with something and bam, you know, I just, you don't know, there's no guarantees in this, in this journey. Um, but, but, but to say then that, uh, whatever it is that we find ourselves in, um, God's grace is present is there in that, that fire is, is purifying us. Um, so salt, yeah, salt, salt's a curious thing. You know, you said it's an accelerant for the dung and you put salt in a, in a pot of boiling water also, you know, to make it kind of go faster. But salt also has the property of preserving what's good. You know, salt was a preservative. So before refrigeration, everything was salted, salted meat, salted pork, you know, all this stuff is because that's the way you would, you would preserve it. Um, But then salt also brings flavor. That's the other thing, you know, like you eat something a little bland you're like, what's the first thing you reach for? Put a little salt on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and you you eat it that way. Um, So it, it does, it has this, this, this character that it does all of the above. And what a great image for us in our lives that it's, it purifies us, but then it preserves us. But then it's also what brings out our, our best flavor, our best self. Um, and it, it's so, you know, not to be uh, glib about it because the purification at times is, is quite difficult. And drug addiction is something that is so far out of people's control. When you talk about family members, getting back to that book and the movie, I, I didn't read the book. And I was, I was honestly, I was very reluctant to see the movie. Um, because I knew it would remind me of, of many of my clients. Like when I watch a movie, I'm, I'm ready for superheroes. Like I, I want to be, <laughs> I, I, I'm ready to disconnect. You know, I don't, I don't want to see people that, that, that make me feel like I'm in, I'm in a counseling session, you know, when I'm watching a film. And, uh, and, and, and so I was reluctant to see him when I watched it. Sure enough. Yeah. I was like, okay, th- I feel like I'm, I'm stepping into therapist mode, even just watching the movie. But the movie does, as you said, do such a beautiful job about getting into the nuance and the complexity. The book does. I'm imagining the book does even more so. The nuance and the complexity of, of, of living with somebody who has a drug addiction and loving somebody who has a drug addiction yes. and just how challenging um, that, that really is. So I don't know. I just throw a lot out there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, in the recovery community, you know, recovering uh, uh, addicts, uh, they, they speak a lot of the higher power, but... Um, that that goes double for those who love them, you know, because it, it's it's also an experience of such powerlessness and, and frustration at times when, um, gosh, you know, you, you just you just want them to get better, and uh, and and you just have to trust someday it will, it will it will all work out. It all work out. Yeah. So talk to me about equine therapy then. I mean, you, you've spoken about a little bit in horses, you know, I've only ridden two horses in my life and, uh, and both you times to, you need to move to Texas. I need to move to Texas. That's right. Get me big boots and a buckle and a, that's right. And a big yeah, old they, hat. They use, they use our horses quite a bit out here. Still, Do they? For, uh, yeah. For the work of the cattle. Yeah. Uh, I rarely go a week, uh, drive through the country. You don't see some horses saddled up in the trailers on the way to, uh, work the cattle. So, uh, so yeah, so it's very much a, a you have property, you have a ranch where you, you break oh, horses small and, ranch, and you have a small ranch. Yeah. 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 And you, you train them for, for therapy or you train them for, for well, work uh, or both or all the above? I, I used to, <laughs> I, I was, I, I used to be the idiot who climb on the first time. 
<laughs> I'd get them started. They ride them 30 days and they go back to the owner. Then they're ready for, for an experienced rider. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was always a great, uh, great sense of satisfaction to get a, to get a young horse under saddle. And, uh, you know, I take my time, you know, it's not like the old days where you just get on and buck him out. Um, you spend a lot of time working on, on the relationship between you and the horse. Uh, so that when you do finally get on, the chances of getting thrown are diminished. But I have found that <laughs> always at some point there's a little bit of a dance. Uh, uh, I've been thrown more than I can count. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've had some broken bones, but but you know the, the wow. goal is to take it easy, step by step, and and, and that's really where the um, uh, benefit for equine therapy comes in. You know, it's uh, it really helps. Uh, um, uh, the clients in drug court to uh, uh, to grow in patience to to see small steps of progress, but but really the uh, uh, the most amazing thing about working with horses I, I found over the years is working with a horse is like working in front of a mirror. You know, you 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 cannot lie to a horse, and they can read you, and they know you better than you do. Um, you know, they're they're this huge prey animal uh, without any teeth or claws you know they um so so uh god built them with this incredible magnifying eyesight um when you're within 20 feet of a horse with the horses observing because of the huge retina in their eyes everything looks twice as big and it's moving twice as fast and so 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 uh that's their defense mechanism if something frightens them they 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 bolt hmm. and then you should go about 20 or 30 feet they turn around and say oh Oh my gosh, that, that was a plastic bag. I, I thought it was a mountain lion. Okay, so they calmed down. But you know, they, they have this instant um, uh, reflex. Uh, and, and for them, it's all about trust. Can I trust you? And, and, and so for a recovering addict to, uh, um, to you know, be working with a, a creature that is, you know, they're scrutinizing every, every squid of your eye. I mean, every, every, turn of the head <laughs> the the pitch and the sound of your voice uh, so it's, it's you, you heard the term uh, uh, being put under a magnet uh, under a microscope mm -hmm. well, that, that describes working with a horse um, they are very very uh, zeroed in on you uh, and so so for people who are having a little bit of trouble uh, knowing you know um, that they're being too aggressive or too passive you know uh, yeah, you know, uh, that, that horse will mirror that immediately, you know. Uh, if you're too passive, that horse will walk right over you. If you're too aggressive, that horse will turn around and, and kick you in the shins. Um, and hopefully not the stomach, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, or somewhere in between. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, but then the other thing is, you know, once that trust is established, once they join up with you. And I, I have a number of clients, they just, uh, it's just, they just want to come out and groom, groom the horse once in a while because, you know, they, they're, they're, there's that bond that, that begins to develop. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, as I said before, you know, the, uh, uh, the notion that's such a powerful animal uh, that the two of you can work as a team, that, mm. that, you know, if you can get a thousand pound horse to do what you want it to do, that, that certainly increases your, your confidence that yeah, maybe, maybe I can get this... Um, this, this addiction that controls me under my control. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been very fruitful. Been very, very fruitful. Uh, I have this one young horse named Buddy. Uh, when I bought him, he uh, he has he has a huge scar 
on the uh, on one of his haunches. And I don't know how he got that scar, but often with with horses when they are injured, they um, the scar uh, develops what they call what we call horse people call proud flush. It's kind of like it, it overlaps and becomes very uh, very noticeable. And so he has this large scar. Scar that's probably about oh seven to eight inches long, and uh, and it's uh, uh, and it's it's like the slush is overlapped. And and um, I've noticed a lot of times with, with the clients, you know, they, uh, you know, Buddy is very shy. He's very, um, uh, which is part of the reason why he probably uh, other he lets other horses oftentimes uh, walk all over him. Um, and so you know he, he carries he carries a scar and uh, but but I find that the drug uh, court clients uh, they identify with him because you know they have scars some of them you can see some of them you can't and, and sometimes you know they'll they'll, uh, they'll 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 touch the scar you know um, and he's not and it doesn't bother him uh, but often reminds me of Thomas touching the, the scars of in Christ. And I said, come here, Thomas. Go put your hand on my side. Mm-hmm. I don't question your unbelief, but believe. Um, and, yeah, and, and this is one way that I see uh, uh, the spirit of, of the Lord, you know, working in their lives to to bring them uh, through their suffering to, to the hope of, of of glory, of conquering the uh, um, the darkness that they that they so often live with. Uh, so yeah, I'm very honored with this work, and then, of course I have all my other parish duties, which I, I really, really value and enjoy. Um, uh, but uh, but this has been um, uh, an unexpected um, area of pastoral work that I, I did not anticipate when I came to board, uh, and, and so I'm very grateful for it. What a beautiful image of thinking of the horse as the addiction itself. And when it's unbridled, you know, the desire uh, will, will, will go over you. Uh, but for you to kind of may have some management over those fallen desires, uh, you can't be too passive, but you can't be too aggressive. And so having to find kind of this balance within yourself of, of how to, how to manage this energy that's there, this force, so to speak, that's there. Um, and then looking at the horse as kind of a, uh, yeah, a, 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 what's the word? A metaphor, an analogy, or or a symbol for for that. Uh, but then when you kind of get it and you're riding it and you got it and it's moving and it's it's it, you got some control over it. Now, um, and actually, uh, one uh, one of the things that prompted me to to uh, uh, suggest equine therapy because I've never I've I've not had any training in it. I've I've, uh, um, I've had some friends who have done it, so I wasn't real acquainted. With it a lot. I've done some reading on it since, but uh, the the impetus to, to move in this direction actually came from some of the men in the program who uh, who were complaining about all the dank talk therapy. No offense <laughs> to you, <laughs> you and your profession. Fair enough. Obviously, Show's like, over. <laughs> Thanks, Father Jim. We're done. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Insult my profession. We're good. No, I'm just joking. I know there's too much talking sometimes. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. For, for guys especially. Oh, for sure. Know, to, uh, yeah, you need action. Things. You need some duty so, instead of just kind yeah. of thinking inside yourself. No, absolutely. Yeah, for and, sure. And so, so for them, it's been a way to uh, mm-hmm. to connect to some of these parts of their past or life, the present, uh, in um, in a concrete way, physical way. So, 
Um, well, I think there's, I for, for to your point, is, let me just say something here real quick. You know, to your point, like, I think sometimes we, we, we forget that communication is more than just words. Oh, yeah. You know, that we think we're, we're communicating. All we're doing when we're communicating is that we're, we're putting words to our experience. And I'm trying to articulate what it is that I am currently thinking or experiencing inside of me. There are other ways to be able to communicate that, that transcend words. And so if right. something like equine therapy or art therapy or those things that kind of be a little bit, um, maybe a little more right brain engagement, not just left brain engagement, but, but kind of getting a little bit more expressive uh, in, 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 in being able to communicate or connect or to have that experience um, in a way that, that isn't just verbal, uh, then absolutely it's therapeutic and absolutely it's, 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 it's an important part of the, the healing process. So no. all right, keep going though. Well, well, I was going to say with the women, I noticed it, it operates a little bit differently. Um, the guys want to get on the horses right away. The women just want to pet them, <laughs> you know, groom them. And uh, uh, so, you know, that, that whole uh, dichotomy between action and relationship. Uh, so the horses, uh, uh, I wasn't expecting that much. Uh, uh, the, um, like you said, I, 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 I kind of opened it up it helps uh, helping the guys out a little bit more, but mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's been equally beneficial for the uh, clients who are female. Amazing. Now, Tom had a particular question. Tom Neal had a, had a question he wanted me to ask uh, you on the show. So he says, uh, he, he texted me just right before and said, uh, who's, who's Wapple? Wapple. <laughs> Guapo's my uh, dog. Guapo's the dog. <laughs> his, his full name is El Guapo. Which El is Guapo. Famous, uh, the, the handsome, handsome one. The handsome uh, one. He, he, he likes his name. He likes me called. I handsome. bet he does. That's he's awesome. El Guapo. So El Guapo has, has taught you some things about the Christian life, from what I hear. What it, what? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, a, uh, he's my shadow. Uh, I found him in the parking lot at the grocery store in this old town where my ranch is. Somebody dropped him off. They get ready to shoot him. Because we don't go to dog catchers down there, um, and they uh, we thought he's really too good of a dog to do that. But anyway, I rescued him, and he's been grateful ever ever, ever since. <laughs> so, I saved his life. But he has. So, Tom said something about El Guapo being like a model of, of of Christian of a Christian life for you in some way. Oh yeah. Well, uh, my, my first prayer every morning is, Lord, be more like my dog. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know that's yeah. You know, that, that's the gift that. That dogs bring us, you know, they're, uh, they're always happy. Everything's their favorite thing to do. And, uh, they don't hold grudges. And, oh man, if I could just be a little bit more like my dog. <laughs> that very prayer this morning. But, yeah. yeah. Every prayer. That's it. Make me a little bit more like my dog. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> now we're thinking about horses again. It's, it's making me think of an, an, a movie that I saw years ago called Buck. Did you ever watch that documentary? Buck? Uh, I did not see the documentary. I, I read the book. I yeah. much. Much there you go. Movie. So I'm, I'm I'm much more of a movie guy. Here's my here's my confession. But you read the, the book. The, the book was a it's a beautiful book. The, the title was The Faraway Horses. Um, Buck the movie. It's a documentary. Um, so it's not yes. a, it's not scripted. It's actually a documentary following um, the gentleman whose name is 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 there Buck, and um and the movie gets beautifully into about his his past and his abuse as a child, and then how it's similar. You know, looking at the horses and breaking horses. And is as as part of his own journey of healing, um, and I'm always struck by again, you know, these stories of as we all are, of course, of the of the the tenacity of the human spirit, you know, like the ability to still see the good 
even in the midst of these circumstances. And, and even you, as you spoke about, like being drawn to movies, being drawn to stories, even being in a place like Amarillo, leaving, uh, you know, where, where you were, your family in Ohio, to put yourself in a place where your priestly ministry can touch the most fringe, um, that, yes. that, that it, can, it can operate in a place where, where you will allow yourself to be exposed to, to these very horrific circumstances. Um, but, but being aware, keenly aware, that Christ's light shines in all of these circumstances, that, that God came and died on the cross for all of us. Um, and that includes, you know, the drug oh, addicts yeah. and the immigrants. Yeah. And this light shines brightest in the darkness. Yeah. And I, I don't like to um, say this, uh, you know, being, being a farm boy, and uh, yeah, I'm very proud of my roots, but um, um, yeah, you know, rural America is the new inner city. It's, it's just, um, and and out here in the Panhandle, Texas, you know, um, our town's a pretty hard scrabble. Uh, this town of Borger, uh, for instance, our, um, uh, we have twice the number of people living below the poverty line than an, an average community. Um, our rate of violent crime is 10% higher. Uh, and so, you know, you come into a town like this and, you know, the people are wonderful. I, I, I have the best prisoners in the world. Um, and, and yet at the same time, you know, you, you can't ignore the fact that um, uh, the town is, um, is struggling economically. Uh, and again, uh, as, as an oil town, uh, uh, it goes up and down and, and currently in a downswing now, but yet there is a... Um, you know, for me to be a pastor here and, and not attend to that part of our community would be hard not to. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's, it's very apparent. Uh, it's not hidden. Um, we have a, a lot of struggle with um, the drugs have really, really... Um, devastated this community and 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 it's happening in a lot of a lot of small towns uh worries me a lot uh, just try to do what you can i um but um do a lot of praying a lot of praying but yeah you know uh as, as a priest though um and, you know uh that's 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 why i'm here you know uh you uh, you give your life for your children, you know, and it's the same. That's <laughs> recently called us father. You know, you sure. uh, those are your people. And um, uh, how do you, you not get uh, overwhelmed by the darkness? Uh, that, that's where the prayer comes in. If it weren't for the prayer, uh, and 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 the solace of the body of Christ, you know, both in the Eucharist but in but in the community, you know, um, when. Um, it's been my experience that when the people, when your people know that you love them, um, you know, what the love they return, <laughs> as the Bible says, is always a hundredfold, you know? Um, uh, and it, it's such a, a wonderful exchange. Not to say, you know, we don't all have our days and there are things you think, oh man, if I, I wish I could uh, take those words back or do that over again. But, you know, um, yeah, it, it all gets... Uh, mixed together and, 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 and the mix is a, it's a cake mix, you know, it's a, it's just a, um, uh, 
that's where I find a lot of my strength is from the um, from the encouragement of my people, and uh, and, uh, and which of course makes me want to encourage them. You know, uh, I, I have just amazing families. You know, they uh, they um, they struggle. They work so hard. <laughs> I I always had a bias. You know, uh, I, I'm in my late sixties. I always was convinced that farmers were the hardest working people in the world, and and I do think dairy farmers are. <laughs> but <laughs> but man, these oil field workers and these refinery people, they uh, they uh, they run a close second, if not exceeded many times. I mean, the, the number of hours and and the distances, oftentimes, that they have to work from home, and, and the long periods of separation from their families to to earn a living. That's it's very impressive. Um, and uh, you know, they, they give it all they got. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, overwhelmed many times by, by the witness and the depth of their, their love and their faith. Um, which of course, just makes you want to reach out to those who are on the edge even more and, and hopefully you know, bring them into, into the warmth of the house um, if they want to come in. Father Jim, I greatly appreciated our conversation so far. And uh, as, as we kind of come to an end here, uh, a couple final questions. Uh, if, if the listeners have been interested in by your words, uh, where can we direct them? Do you have a website or I know you have a blog? Uh, oh, yes, I have a people? blog. With, uh, 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 very proud of this blog. We got it started this summer. Uh, uh, I'm the oldest priest uh, in the diocese under the age of retirement. And, uh, and uh, this young priest who's a good friend of mine, uh, uh, he's a, our vocation recruiter. Uh, we started this blog called Priesthood from the Inside Out. And each week we take turns and, and we use pen names. He's Father Matthias, I'm Father Luke. Um, but we, we, we try to uh, highlight ways in which God's grace appears in the life of a priest. Because a lot of people just don't realize it. They, they, they see the priest up there on Sunday. And, you know, in, in your life, you know, in your marriage, and your family, people kind of know, okay, well, there's birthdays and uh, you know, the, the, uh, teaching a, uh, teenage boy to drive, you know, uh, uh, taking the, the daughter to buy her prom dress. You know, there, there are these things that people know are, are full of light and joy in the life of a family. But I don't know that people often get to see where that comes into in the life of a priest. And uh, uh, we are of the opinion that we are very spoiled because we, sometimes we experience in a month what you all experience in a lifetime, <laughs> you know, from... Um, you know, from uh, uh, preparing a couple for marriage to um, celebrating the baptism, uh, you know, um, you know, dancing at the quinceanera, or you know, um, preparing a soul to uh, um, for its journey to heaven uh, in a hospital room. Uh, it's just, it's such a rich life. And anyway, the blog is called Priesthood from the Inside Out. Um, features little stories about what our life is like. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, by showing or writing about where grace shows up in our life, the readers, whether they're priest or lay, will be able to identify those moments more readily in their lives as well. Amen. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Well, thank and you. Fantastic. Yes. Father Jim, final question ask all my first time guests what gives you hope? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. Everything, uh, drug everything, addicts and uh, broken uh, horses yeah. and oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know God is uh, God is so good. You know, um, I, I 
uh, I had a spiritual director once who had a tremendous influence on me. And one of the things she said that I never forgot is gratitude is the essence of sainthood. And, um, and at that period of my life, I was not very grateful. I was spitting a lot of nails and, and uh, I, I have, uh, I'm, I'll always be indebted to Father Mark for that, for that line. Um, I have found that if the, the, the more I can cultivate appreciation for God's innumerable gifts, gosh, you know, you know, once you start looking for grace, it shows up all over the place, in my opinion. You know, if you can start to, um, um, that, that's what gives me hope. I uh, just, just counting my blessings. Um, uh, I, I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your experience, your priestly heart, uh, all these beautiful stories uh, to us uh, today. And yeah. uh, God bless You're you. You're welcome. It's been, a, it's been an honor. Been an honor. Thank you. Awesome. Thank and you. Keep up your good work. You know, I, I, um, uh, I, I truly admire uh, the, the, the healing work that the people that you in your profession do. Um, uh, because believe me, oftentimes I'm referring them to you because <laughs> you've got, you got tools that I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard work, but, uh, but it's good work, you know, being able to help people through their emotional difficulties. So, yeah. Yeah. all right. God bless. God, God bless you. Thank you. All right. Another great show is done with great gratitude to Father Jim for joining me on the show and to Dr. Tom Neal for making that recommendation. If you know someone who would be a good guest for the Always Hope podcast, whether as an informed expert, as I've normally done, or as a person of hope, please share those thoughts with me. I'm always open to suggestions and I always want to know who are exciting and interesting folks that we can interview on the show to make this the best possible podcast for your growth. So please, if you have any recommendations, best way to reach me would be on Facebook or Instagram. Direct message me at Dr. Mario Sacasa. I look forward to hearing about some of these recommendations from you and any other thoughts you may have about this show. Always open to recommendations and always open to receiving feedback and in listening to the ways that this show is blessing you. So thank you everybody for taking the time to allowing me to be part of your life and allow me to be part of your particular day right now. And I pray that it's been helpful for you. So God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next one. <music>